Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. I don't want to scare the baby. I don't want to scare the baby. It's Cheryl Glassford. Come right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos. Game Source, the Lakers fast break. <laughs> uh, truly appreciate everyone catching all of our shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Plus, if you could like, share, subscribe. Subscribe today to get the latest notifications on when we go live in the air with the latest Pop Culture Cosmos, State of Pro Wrestling, PCC Multiverse, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and more. So go ahead and check it out today wherever you get your podcast, plus also The Happy Hoarder. Please stop by The Happy Hoarder on social media or happyhoardercollectibles.com because the reason why is you're missing out on a ton of great stuff that you could order right now at happyhoardercollectibles.com. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without a good friend indeed, and it is and my cohort in crime with a special guest indeed it is of course the man behind happy hoarder collectibles himself it is josh the great josh peterson josh you got a special guest there today co-hosting with you in the big chair looks like to me yes yes this is my uh my partner in crime today this is uh kiki or killian as we call her and she is uh just hanging out till mom gets home oh she's adorable uh, again, I'm so happy for you and the family. You've got another beautiful addition to the family right there. And it looks like she is absolutely just overjoyed to be part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. I remember way back when, in 2016, when we started this, you had no kids. And you had, uh, well, actually, you don't have all the gray hair yet. The, ha- the, the hair is not gray as of yet. just the beard the beard's got some white in it now but yeah i was uh no family i mean i had my you know my mom and dad and them but like yeah i was just i lived at home and uh and hung out in my room all the time podcasting and now look at me look at me a family of uh we're a family of six here and we're living out in texas and we got four dogs It's, it's life's changed man adulting my friend adulting indeed uh, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, Josh is doing a great job parenting, doing the multitasking thing, plus also talking about the latest news and trends in pop culture. We're going to be talking about a lot of good things, including the latest information that Nintendo and Sony just dropped in honor of the Tokyo Game Show, plus also what they've got upcoming for you this holiday season. Also as well, want to talk about some other things, including Maybe some touching on some Starfield, Liza P. What's going on with the box office? Because there's been some not really breakthroughs by any stretch of the imagination outside of the Nun 2, but it's the also rants at the box office, which kind of got me interested. And I want to show I want to run by that by Josh as well if we have time. But first up, my friend, it is, of course, One Piece. The show everybody is talking about on Netflix. I know you said you were going to try and make your way to getting to watch it. I know you've been really busy. I did get a chance to binge it with my daughter last night. I tell you what, it is just so, I guess it's just, it's so cool to see them trying this again with a live action anime. I know Cowboy Bebop wasn't everybody's style, 
This again has some weird, funky things going on with it. As Kiki says, bye bye. But <laughs> I want to hear your thoughts on what One Piece and the success that it has because it's been number one several days now. Actually, uh, you know, it's been number one or in the top 10 in Netflix for quite some time. Does not have the universal uh, hate that Cowboy Bebop had, even though I, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I John Cho was all right, but it, the, the auxiliary characters, the supporting characters, I thought were absolutely terrific in that show, and I thought the concept of itself was really kind of cool. I guess they were looking for more faithful adaptation of it, but One Piece seems to be an adaptation everybody likes, including Netflix, which just renewed it for a season two. Yeah, I've been trying to understand the uh, One Piece thing because I haven't watched it yet. I, I do want to watch it. My my kids, you know, like we talked about, my kids want to watch it. Uh, now that our Internet's back up and running, hopefully we will get to watch it. But the everyone always says there hasn't been like great live action anime adaptations because they're looking at like Death Note and Dragon Ball, which were like complete disasters. But I don't know. Did you ever get a chance to watch the Rurouni Kenshin movies? No. No, I didn't. Oh my gosh, they're on Netflix and they are spectacular films. Like there, there are no, there are no tropes. They don't use the original uh, voiceovers like a uh, Full Metal Alchemist did. They, it's all, you know, it's just a complete retelling of the story and it's beautiful. The martial arts scenes are amazing. Um, Cowboy Bebop was weird because you know every, everyone, the the biggest critique the the biggest like hope that people had for it is the reason that it tanked like a lot of people were like hey how are you going to tell the story episode by episode compared to the anime tell us something new take us somewhere we haven't been yet and they did and then unfortunately people didn't like where it went and you, <laughs> you know just a couple cannot weeks, please people sometimes you really you really can't and i you know i didn't think it was terrible i didn't um, think it was terrible i liked it i get someone who was not really in tune with the anime i really liked what i saw yeah yeah i wouldn't have not watched the second season I, it granted it wasn't my favorite i didn't come out of it thinking like oh man that was awesome i can't wait for next season but i didn't hate it you know and so i'm looking at one piece and i'm reading the same thing like people are like what they love about it is also what everyone doesn't seem to like about it, is the fact that it literally follows the anime episode for episode line for line scene for scene and uh people are complaining about that but also like it's doing really well so i i guess it's working and like you said you can't please everybody i think because this series is more uplifting it's more upbeat uh, the main character he is more upbeat you know no matter what stuff is thrown at his face he's always given that smile and saying this is my crew this is my crew this is my crew and this basically yeah. and, and and just basically going ahead and, and proving everybody out there ultimately what he says will does come to pass yeah no matter how many things are thrown against him and again it's you it's anime it's live action adaptation you take it for what it's worth but it mm -hmm. just it seems like for me it's been connecting with a non-anime base which i think is probably the key to why it's been renewed for a second season why it's done so well something that cowboy bebop didn't do it cowboy bebop did not connect with an audience outside of those who would watch the anime and i think this did which is the reason why it has exceeded where cowboy bebop did yeah and i'm also looking at it from the point that cowboy bebop it it 
started and ended years and years ago, whereas One Piece is still running, you know, and they have a lot of people who have started watching One Piece in the, uh, you know, in the, the past couple of years, thanks to the films coming out on Netflix and like the Funko Pops and action figures and all this stuff and all the merchandise we've been seeing around, whereas Cowboy Bebop is something that you really have to go back and watch like it is yeah. it's it's a time capsule type thing whereas one piece is still running so had cowboy bebop been running uh all these years i feel like the maybe the outcome would have been different for it but um, or if they would have started with one piece and then maybe followed it up with cowboy bebop maybe people would have been more tolerant of it yeah and i also feel like they didn't market cowboy bebop very well like if they would have you know if netflix netflix would have um I don't know, release a documentary or like had some sort of like they waited till this year to release the anniversary set of Cowboy Bebop. It would have been good to, uh, you know, release it before the series came out. And that way people would know like, oh, hey, this might be worth checking out. Timing, right? Timing. Yeah, it's unfortunate timing for them. But One Piece, I, I liked it. Kurt Affair is in our chat and he absolutely loved it. Uh, I thought it was really good. My daughter absolutely loved it. It was just, again, you know, language aside it's got some small language issues every now and then for for the kids for your age teenagers is just fine uh but i think that again for me it's just the fact that it does even though it does stretch the limits of what your believability is because again it's based off of japanese anime and the characters themselves are a little off center themselves and a little bit different in and of themselves. And the fact that a lot of them have superpowers that even don't eat the fruit, the magic fruit is still kind of get me, you know, huh? Huh? Yeah. Scratching my yeah. head, but you know, okay. Be that as it may, I still enjoyed it very much. Again, you take the logic out of it. You just try to go ahead and turn your brain off and have a good time. It tells a nice story. Like you said, if it's is uh tit for tat for the anime, then you know what they did a good job of going ahead and draw painting by numbers on this time around but the fact that it's more upbeat uh, i think that cowboy bebop was a little bit more dark a little bit uh a more sinister a little bit more i don't know what to say depressing but it just it did not give the happier vibes that i think one piece always seems to do at the end of the yeah. day so yeah, i, I think that. that you know i do recommend it as a series I think it was really, really something that people need to go out of their way way to see. And I'm not surprised that, you know, what they gauge it off. The reason why Cowboy Bebop failed is not that enough people didn't watch it initially because I think it was like 75 million views or something like that. Just some nice number for them. It was the fact that people weren't finishing the series. They weren't finishing binge watching. And that's what basically they watch. That's what they basically go off of that Netflix is, not just who was watching or how many people initially turned it on is how many people finished the series. Yeah. You know what? So Kurt affair says, uh, you know, adapting an anime into live action is an uphill battle. And you know, you're right because you have to decide like, you know, do you go the cowboy bebop route or do you go to the one, the one piece route? Do you do things, um, you know, scene from scene from the anime and manga, or do you try to tell a new story with existing storylines and narratives? And that's always, uh, that, that's always tough because you With have a ton of flashbacks, my friend. Right, right. So you have your purists and then you have people like, yeah, show me something new. Like, I would love to see an Outlaw Star uh, live action anime. But I also know that, um, you know, you're going to face the same problem because a lot of Outlaw Star Star's narrative is kind of it's outdated. You know, so how would you tell that and still keep fans of the anime happy? 
I think that uh, they Netflix needs to buy Crunchyroll. I really do think that they need to buy Crunchyroll and absorb all that anime content so they can pick and choose whichever is popular on Netflix with their viewers. Then they could decide which ones might be good for a live action adaptation. Yeah, yeah, and I know uh, Crunchyroll actually just bought Right Stuff, so they're they're kind of like the the anime kings right now. But if Netflix bought them and looped all the Crunchyroll stuff into Netflix, yeah, I think that could be even better because yeah, Crunchyroll be. does not Crunchyroll has a lot of money, but do they have enough money to start making live adap- action adaptations of their own? So let me let me ask you this: Do you think that? Um, and that's a good point, Kurt. I'll, I'll mention that here on the show in a sec. Go ahead. Go ahead, Josh. Do you think that the live-action Gundam, which is slated to come out, I think, next year sometime, do you think that that's going to be any good? Well, again, I think that they, as uh, your co-host, is uh, letting us know in the background. She's letting uh, me know. Yeah, that's for sure. That's her thoughts on uh, what's going on with One Piece on Netflix. But I want to I want to say that Gundam... They, they're learning their lessons. And I think that's something that, that Netflix, as Kurt said, mentioned in the in the chat, they learned from Cowboy Bebop that they need to include the creators. So they need to learn what made this show great, what made and what makes Gundam great. So yeah. before we put it out on a screen for a six to eight episode run, what do we need to do to make it worth people's while so that they understand not only the people like you that are familiar with the anime, but to people like me who didn't see much at all of it or haven't seen any of all of it, why we should be interested in what it has to offer. Right, right. But because like the dangerous thing about Gundam is that it has a fan base just as big, if not bigger than One Piece does, you know, just because it's been on, you know, since what, 1987, I think. So that's um you know it's it's if it's not good it could have the opposite effect of what one piece did so it's i don't know it's all it's all very tricky you know and that's where you have to have um you know you have to have somebody behind it that knows the the lore and knows the fan base tears of joy is asking what do we think of the wonder years reboot it was canceled uh, i think i'm glad it was canceled i'd never even liked the original i mean josh that's more your speed 90s show what are your thoughts on a wonders years reboot i'm not you know that was beyond that i was already an adult by that time and i never really cared for it in the first place yeah no so i i appreciate what they were trying to do i i watched a couple episodes of it and i was uh i was not intrigued enough to watch a third episode the the original wonder years again like i was super young when that came out my dad really loved that show but uh, just because it you know related more to like when he was little but uh i don't know i i don't have i don't think i have a a big enough uh pony in that race to (laughs) you know make a determination on that absolutely indeed but once again, it is One Piece on Netflix. It is the hottest thing right now on Netflix. And if you get a chance, please go ahead and check it out. I recommend it. Kurt Affair recommends it. I know Josh is going to check it out. It has already been renewed for season two. And you know, when they give a quick renewal for season two, you know it is doing well. So it is one of the top shows on Netflix. And I hope you get a chance to check it out. It is, of course, like I said, One Piece. So go ahead and share me your thoughts out there. If you've already shared it with us, great. If you've not, please go ahead and let us know. One Piece on Netflix, Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. 
for the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break Podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my friend, (laughs) she's still letting us know exactly what she thinks. I want to see one piece. I want to see one piece. But that's it. That's it. As she's saying it in her language. That's it. Exactly. Uh, Happy hoarder collectibles. There you go. Uh, (laughs) One thing I wanted to ask you, though, it was so strange this past week that we had a Nintendo Direct and a PlayStation state of play knowing that they're both running on the same day almost around the same time just kind of baffled me that they both would go ahead out of the way to go ahead and do that just seemed like e3 although without the e3 your thoughts before we get into both of these uh, obviously uh, presentations for what's upcoming in the future your thoughts on them running on you know just literally right on top of each other you know, I, I honestly had no idea that either of these things were happening. And then, you know, I got texts in the morning before they went on from, you know, uh, Brian from the Super BS. And he was like, hey, you going to check this out? And I was, you know, I was working. So I didn't get to watch either of them till I got home. But they had, you know, the Nintendo one was was not not amazing to me. But uh, the PlayStation one had some really cool things going on. Well, again, they're still pushing the VR, my friend. They're still trying to give it hope. Uh, before we get into the Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, which is obviously a big thing for you on it, Spider-Man 2 and more, your thoughts on they're still trying to go ahead. I think P- the VR, again, issue is still a big one, whether or not you still want to continually put money into this. I'm still fig- trying to figure out who's going to spend a couple thousand dollars on Apple's VR, but... Let me hear your thoughts on PlayStation trying to go ahead and still keep alive the idea that PSVR 2 is still got some people interested out there. I don't know. I think there's still hope, much like they did when the original PSVR came out and kind of stopped selling so well. I think they're hoping that it's like, trust me, people are going to catch on to this. It's going to be great. And I, you know, I would play it if I could afford it, but I just like it. If I had to choose between playing PlayStation VR and, you know, going out and buying a console, I wouldn't buy PlayStation VR. It just seems at this point, it's just not worth what you're putting into it. The support for it, uh, the mechanics of it. I know that Apple, like I said, is, you know, what, $2,400 or in that range? Just some ungodly number that we reported on last month as far as when that finally comes out for Apple VR. But that's going to be something as far as having a processor that's at that going going to be at that time cutting edge state of the art and even if that's the case vr to me just seems like it's something that not everybody's going to get be able to get into most people as of yet have been able to get into my friend you know i look at it this way though if we don't have people that are constantly pushing this technology it's never going to get to the point where it's going to be perfected in a way where people where it will be accessible to more people you know and i I, i'm not saying that i want to go out and buy one but i do think that it's good that playstation and apple even if it's 10 years from now to where that technology is like you know amazing and people can actually fully immerse themselves into a world like that uh but you know right now i just think it hasn't gotten there yet i hope they keep pushing but i don't think we're quite there 
Oh, I don't think we're quite there at all. And I told you my, I've said this like story 5,000 times already on this show about CES, the year CES uh, with Microsoft and the idea of a Luma room where you go and the actual VR sensation is just as you walk into the room and you experience and interact with it. Uh, now, I mean, just like a very poor man's version of the holodeck, but at least it's a step towards that where you can interact without all the equipment attached to you. I think that ultimately, probably maybe by the end of the century, I'm probably saying at the earliest before we really garner that technology to a T, could be something that that a lot of people will get into at that point in time. Because VR still seems very archaic, still seems very mechanical. It still seems like there's a lot of walls before a lot of people will actually be interested in getting into it. Maybe it'll be like the PlayStation commercials. Remember with the PS7 commercial where it like you touch the ball with your hand and it just injects things into your brain? <laughs> Maybe that's the case indeed. But I want to hear your thoughts on this, my friend. Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. Not sure if you're getting excited for that, but that's an early December release. Also as well, Resident Evil. There's still more DLC coming out for it as far as that remake. Looks like also as well, Spider-Man 2 is getting a lot, lot of good publicity because the gameplay trailer just came out. Plus, they had more footage behind the scenes for the gameplay that a lot of people that got a chance to see it were raving about. And of course, the big news, the big, big news for you Final Fantasy fans, because you got to keep up on this, Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth is coming out on February 29th of 2024 so leap year day of next year tell me your thoughts on this and can you explain why final fantasy fans should get excited about this version of final fantasy 7 the most revered game in all of final fantasy yes okay two things first uh back with the nintendo i'm excited about the new saga game it's been a long time since one of those has come out Yeah, we'll touch on that yeah we'll touch it we'll give some love to that here in a little bit okay all right awesome you also forgot to mention that there's an add-on for um tales of arise coming out i did not even see that coming and i'm crazy excited because i sold my copy so i'm gonna have to go buy a new copy to play this but i <laughs> that was like my top game of what when it come out 2021 i think yeah that was, uh, yeah, I loved it. Anyways, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, it, it, you know, it's funny because I just finished Final Fantasy XVI and, like, you know, the, the story dragged on a little bit uh, in the end, but I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I love the direction they're going with, like, switching from turn-based combat to, uh, you know, live, at, not live action, but, you know, it, it's happening. You know, you're, you're in the battle. There's no separate battle screens. Uh, Final Fantasy VII, like, the remake is interesting because it is a retelling of the story and like a lot of people were upset at the ending because they're like what is this this is not the final fantasy 7 of my childhood but it's cool because it's not meant to be you know it is a retelling of a story and right now they're showing in the in the trailers like what you know they're asking they're making people question like what's going on because they showed uh you know zach from crisis core showing up like oh i thought that he died so I don't know. Super, uh, super interesting. The gameplay looks great. There's a lot of uh, mystery and speculation behind some of the story elements. So I if you have not had a chance to play the Final Fantasy seven remake like you don't need and I always tell people this. You don't need to know anything about Final Fantasy, like all the numbered entries are their own stories they don't even take place in the same worlds, except 
you know, you get like 13-2, 13-3 or whatever. But Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, I'm, I don't know, man. Like, I'll, I'm excited. And it, it takes place on two discs, and it's got some open world elements to it. They brought back snowboarding and chocobo racing. I'm excited. I, I still I'm think excited. it's funny that in 2023, going to 2024, we still need games when that comes out on two discs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, from what I understand, though, like, this is massive like it's huge yeah there has i haven't played like a two disc game in a long time so that's it's definitely interesting and uh you know you're talking about uh sorry someone who was it that talked about max Payne? lifted talked about max Payne. like i so there's there's some cool conspiracies that max Payne actually exists in the uh the world of alan wake and so they're talking about maybe one day there's going to be max Payne will appear like either in control or the alan wake game so i don't know some something Something that could be Alan cool. Wake Two comes out the end of October, so you never know. You never know because mm-hmm. that whole world is connected, like Max Payne and Control, Alan Wake and Quant- uh, Quantum Break. I think are are all connected in the same world. I don't usually game very much on my smartphone. I don't. Sean, uh, uh, Josh has, but I know I do know that my daughter, uh, one of my daughters, does incessantly. But uh, Josh, I know, does a little bit, especially when you were talking about the Apple Arcade. I don't, I, when I get time to game, it's for me, it's just on the console, my friend. I, I struggle. So when I play mobile games, I guess this kind of defeats the purpose, but I always screen mirror it onto my TV and then I will sync my Xbox controller. Like, I think that's how I played. Um, I can't remember the name of the game is an RPG that came out by the guy that made like final fantasy two or three on the Apple arcade. But anyways, that's how I usually play mobile games. Uh, the, the uh, laptop question was, I have an HP Omen, and that's been absolutely amazing for me. I played a ton of games on there. So if you're looking for a laptop, they're not bad. There you go. I, was, I said uh, Razer Alienware, but yeah, HP Omen, there you go. Absolutely. Good good suggestion there as well. One of the things I would want to ask you, though, my friend, it's uh, Final Fantasy. What was the one we were talking about last month? Final Fantasy 16, the one that is more of a third-party Souls-like game as opposed to being yes. the usual RTS. That reports have says that may have not sold as well as, well, you know, Square Enix does. So, have, Square Enix has the highest of standards on their sales numbers, and yeah. it may have not sold to what they wanted to, which is really sad because Final Fantasy is trending the way I want it to trend as opposed to the way it's always played that I don't want to play. But it sounds to me like the Final Fantasy groups out there, the Final Fantasy players want to play it more the way it was meant to be played. Yeah, I don't I mean, you can't be stuck in the past, you know, and I, if we want if you want to get new fans on to at, at what point or sorry, at some point you have to decide, are you going to be catering to the generation that is getting older and might not be gaming for that much longer? You're going to cater to the generation that's coming up and likes these fast paced souls like games. And I think that they made a good move. IGN, I, I had an, an issue with that article because I felt like it was a hit piece. They are, it, it seemed to me like they were upset when uh, the creators of Final Fantasy came out and said, hey, we're going to start pushing things out on uh, Xbox. And you know how IGN feels about Xbox. But anyways, I think that they were, it wasn't so much like saying Final Fantasy 16 didn't sell well. I think Square had released so many other bad games in the past year, like Forspoken, for example, that you know everyone had high hopes for that did not sell well so i think that the the amount of the volume that final fantasy 16 sold 
did not outweigh what those other games didn't sell. And I think that that's what hit them hard. So now I know they're restructuring. They're only going to focus on these big titles that they know do well. So they're not going to put things out that could cost them uh, money in the long run. Sorry, in the long run. But, um, you know, Condor, you said long drawn out storylines and games are great, but not everyone has the time for that. And that is that is very true. And that's one of the great things about, um, you know, Final Fantasy 16. It cut down that like 75 to 80 hour storyline to something you could probably get through in 20 to 30 hours. For me, I just would love to have seen the series go primarily to more of a souls like third person viewed having that type of mentality a little bit more of a clean smooth operating system the way it's done as opposed to rts but then again one of the most popular games of the year is still based and rooted somewhat into rts in baldur's gate 3 that has been an absolutely huge hit and is something i may be interested to play so maybe Final Fantasy could find a hybrid way of going ahead and, you know, just connecting the old, but also associating with the new style and what a lot of other people are playing as well. Yeah, and I also think if they dropped the the numbers and did oh maybe gosh. like a soft reboot, you know, and started from like, and just called the next game Final Fantasy, I think that that would be, that would be probably to their benefits. Just like MK1. We'll see what happened if it worked for MK1, which just came yeah. out. And actually, it will be coming out for everyone here in the next couple of days. But it's already available in pre-access as we talk about it. So, yeah, if it works for MK1, uh, we'll find out if it can work for Final Fantasy as well. But what are your thoughts out there on the PlayStation State of Play? We'd love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Well, my friend, there's so much more to talk about on this back half of the show. Nintendo had its Direct at the same time, almost, as the PlayStation State of Play. I know there's some things that I want to discuss there in detail. So let me ask you this. You mentioned right off the bat there were some things that stuck out to you at the Nintendo Direct. Yeah, I was actually excited to see Saga Emerald Beyond coming out. I mean, I like those old Square RPGs, and we haven't seen a Saga game, and it's been years since a Saga game has come out. So that... That is cool. You know, another code recollection looks pretty neat. And I am quite excited about the uh, Super Mario RPG remake. Yep. That's uh there's a Paper Mario that Thousand Year Door HD announced. That's coming out. Mario versus Donkey Kong remake is coming out to the Nintendo Switch next year, right around February as well, 2024, just like we were talking about with Final Fantasy and Rebirth on that for Final Fantasy VII. F-099, my friend. F-0 was one of the, the most beloved games of the early days of Nintendo. Your thoughts on F-099 that was an announced available the day of the Nintendo Direct. So it's out right now and available on the Nintendo Switch. You know, the F-0 games are games that I always wanted to play, but I had never, you know, like, like, I was, like I've said before, the Switch is my first nintendo console that i've actually like owned from release to to now so i don't have a hit much of a history with the f-zero franchise but 
it, you know, it does look cool. It looks like something that I, you know, I'd be interested in checking out, getting that history with it. I'm also kind of excited about the Mario vs. Donkey Kong remake. Yes. It looks kind of cool. One thing I do want to ask you, though, is Princess Peach Showtime is also being released in March. So she's finally getting something of her own. Although, actually, she's had, you know, been the starring role in other situations. But obviously, her getting a very much of a highlighted role in the recent Super Mario Brothers movie was just a tremendous big deal for as far as her character is concerned. Your thoughts on a new game coming that's devoted to Princess Peach coming out in March. Yeah, I, I think that this is one of those games they're designing for women, but I think that men are going to be the main consumers of this because it, they love, you know, anything with the Mario franchise is going to be just eaten up. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think it'll sell to both genders, obviously, but this is going to be something that is literally for everybody. And I wonder if, you know, they're going to have Mario get kidnapped this time. Mm, very interesting. That could be very, very interesting and a great way to go ahead and turn the tables. I like that idea. Hopefully we'll, they will go ahead and do something like that. Wanted to go ahead and mention to you that Tomb Raider 1, 2, and 3 remasters announced in a what could be considered a non- shocking move because you know they really they're literally going to remaster everything from before the turn of the century and then they'll just remake everything thereafter your thoughts my friend on remastering Tomb Raider 1 2 and 3 Laura Croft I think that's a great idea honestly because you can't there's not really a lot of places you can go to play those old Tomb Raider games you know, unless you want to buy yes, a Sega Saturn or or whatever, or PlayStation One, and go try to you know pay a, a premium to get those the physical copies of the game. So, I think making it available is is great, but I also don't even want to know how much they're going to charge for them. Exactly. Yeah. Luigi's Mansion Two HD is out next summer. Just to let everybody know, coming out for the Nintendo Switch. So the Nintendo Switch is getting still a lot of content before we see what is now being showcased behind the scenes in a Nintendo Switch 2. It looks like it's pretty much going already a done deal that will probably come out, Josh, before the end of 2024. I have a feeling it's going to be announced sometime in June of next year. Yeah, that's uh, the rumor floating around is we're supposed to see the new Nintendo Switch on at the backside of the coming year. So, yeah, you, you know, I imagine around May or June we'll hear something about it. The one game that I think that everybody needs to take note that is coming out next month is Dave the Diver to the Nintendo Switch. This game, if you've not played it already on the PC or consoles, it is something that people have to experience as far as the 8-bit technology that goes into it, as far as the, the gameplay. It's got a great sense of humor. It is one of the highest rated games of the year that nobody knows about, seemingly. So I'm hoping people will give it a chance when it comes to Nintendo Switch. But if you haven't checked it out yet, it's a nice little indie title, Josh. Dave the Diver. And I hope you give it a try real soon. The art looks intriguing to me. So, yes, yes I will give it a try. I, you know, I used to get on my Switch and, like, surf the the marketplace for, like, cheap indie games. And I, I stopped doing that. So, yes, I'll have to get back on and check this out. I will tell you what. If you need help, I will give IGN some props. They did a fabulous review and overlook on 
the whole Dave the Diver game. So if you want to go ahead and check it out, please do so. I will give IGN props on that. But before we head on out, my friend, as we talked about the Nintendo Switch state of play, a lot of still things are still yet to come. Most of it's remakes. Most of it's uh, just stuff that's not new, new, but refreshing what's new. It tells me and it just shows me that as you're seeing all the stuff that's being shown out, including Splatoon 3 DLC and the like, just tells me that I think Nintendo is planning a bigger, wider release of the Switch 2. And I think they're holding some things at bay until it's time to announce the Switch 2. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think that everyone, you know, everyone's been asking for the next entry, the next main entry in the Super Mario franchise and the new Metroid game. And everyone's like, oh, we want a Donkey Kong. I don't think actually Nintendo owns the rights to Donkey Kong. I think Rare owns it. And I think there is a weird, like, contractual issue there. But yeah, they definitely have some things waiting in the wings. And I think when it is finally released, we'll get to see some of these games that people have been clamoring for and rumors appointed to for so long, hopefully. I hope so. I hope so. Cause again, Nintendo's over six years old. It's the switch is just, it's served as time. It's going to probably go down as one of the top three, if not possibly Josh, the top selling console of all time, which, you know, when we started out, looked like it could have done that, but, you know, it was right in the middle of the PlayStation 4 doing so well, but it looks like in the long run that it may actually beat out the PlayStation 4 and actually become the largest selling console of all time. And it has at least a shot, I should say. I think the Switch is honestly Nintendo's best console. Really? Because if you, if, I think so, because it has, I don't, I don't want to say longevity, but if you go to, get, like when, that when the Wii came out, right, and you managed a game store, so you probably saw a lot of used Wiis being turned in, uh-huh, traded uh-huh, in for other yes. things. You go to game stores now, like even, you know, the big ones like GameStop or whatever, you don't see a lot of used Switches for sale. At least not nearly as many Wiis and Wii U's as there were. Used Switch games are still at a premium at a lot of places. Oh my gosh, yeah. And like even the things that were released, uh, you know, within the first like two months of the Switch coming out, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 1, for example, is still selling for 40 to $60. Same thing with Super Mario Odyssey. So these games have held their value and so is the console because you look at it before, like the, the Wii eventually dropped down, I want to say to like $150, I think was uh, for just a the basic box. Uh, the Switch, you still can't get anything for under 250 yeah. Again, it's just to, I guess it's just a, as a way to go ahead and recognize the success of Nintendo and what they've done with such an outstanding job on the Nintendo Switch. Coming off the failure of the Wii U, they've been able to go ahead and obviously rebound with, again, one of the greatest selling consoles in the history of video games. And it looks like there's still one more good Christmas left before we get most likely during the summer, the announcement of the Nintendo Switch 2. Uh, again, it's nothing's been confirmed, but the Nintendo Switch 2 reportedly has been shown off at trade shows, Tokyo Game Show, uh, what we happened at Gamescom. They were starting to show it off behind the scenes there of the Nintendo Switch 2, a more powerful Nintendo Switch. So we'll see if that comes about at the end of 2024. But We'd like to know if everything that you saw out of the Nintendo Direct was really for you, or did you think you needed something more for your Nintendo Switch? Please let us know. 
popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Plus, also, as well, don't forget, Josh has a ton of great things that you can buy Nintendo-related or popculture-related right now at happyhoardercollectibles.com. Well, my friend, it's truly great having you on once again as we go over the best and the latest and greatest on the internet. But before we head on out, have you checked out Lies of P, some of the latest? We talked about NBA 2K24, me and TJ Johnson, and you know, argued over the value of microtransactions after you already pay for a full-price game. But have you checked out one of the other recent additions to the video game lineup, and not counting Mortal Kombat 1, which is also coming out, but in Lies of P, which is something I think a lot of people, if you're into the Souls-like games, which we talked about earlier, could really get into. You know, it's funny. I just read about this game last week. Didn't really know anything about it, but uh, I, you know, I read about it, checked out some uh, some gameplay of it. It looks fun. I, I don't know if it's something I'm gonna get around to playing, but you know, I, I love like the the dark atmosphere that the game has, and the the characters and story look interesting. What about are you? Have you picked it up? Are you gonna play it? It's just the thing that those Souls-like games, there's, I have to get into them. I'm really just, there's yeah. so many that you really have to get into before you get to Liza P. Unless it seems like that that it's just a new shiny edition or version of a car that if you haven't tried it out yet, you should try the original one first and then you go from there. I haven't played too many Souls-like games yet. I know eventually I'm going to come have to go down to it and, and do it because there's so many, literally so many out there. But it's just so hard to know which one you're going to get into. Are you going to get into the original Dark Souls? Are you going to go to Bloodborne? Are you going to go to any one of the number of the Souls-like games that are now seemingly out? Since, I mean, the genre is now over a decade old, my friend, and it seems like it's just getting even better and better. So, you know, what's funny is, you know, I know we're talking about um, amount of hours you invest in games. I I struggle with these, uh, you know, these Souls-like games because I this makes me sound like the antithesis of a gamer, but like if there's not like an easy or normal slash casual mode, I don't really tend to play games that have that are like that difficult because I don't have the time as much as I would love to. I'm not, you know, I'm not in my 20s or a teenager anymore, so I don't have the time to sit there and grind on these games trying to finish them. So if it's something that like I spend more than 30 minutes struggling on a certain part to beat, like I just don't have the time to invest in it even though i would really love to i just don't have that kind of time on my hands anymore well i ask you my friend though it just seems like that these souls like games are seemingly getting better and better with each and every time out although the the foundation and rudimentary gameplay still is the same from when we saw dark souls so many years ago it just seems like there's still a long way to go for that genre to continue. I don't think people are getting too tired of it yet. No, because if you think about it, like it's an amazing way to tell stories. Like mm -hmm. you, if you can, if you can create a game, craft a game that is punishing, but the story pays off. There's, I don't see any reason why people wouldn't play the game, wouldn't stick the hours into to get through those bosses or through those levels. I. You know, some of these, the Souls-like games, they're masterpieces, but I just, you know, some people don't have the time to play them, which is unfortunate. But yeah, I, th I think that this genre has a lot of life left in it. We're going to get to the point, you know, I'm sure we're going to see a sequel to Elden Ring at some point, and there's going to be more uh, more Dark Souls games. It's 
it's just beginning. I think there's a lot of life left in this genre. What are your thoughts out there about everything going on with Liza P? If you got a chance to try it or any one of the number of new games, because we're now in the fall schedule. Not only do you have to play Starfield, Liza P, NBA 2K24, Mortal Kombat 1, and there's more video games on the way. Going to blow your mind? Hopefully it will because of all the great games that you're playing out there. All the great games are available. No more lags of gaming that's not available to you with some new games coming out because you've got a ton of new games that are already out now and they're on the way but please let us know your thoughts on the gaming world popculturecosmos at yahoo.com if you're in the las vegas and henderson areas and are looking to buy sell or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles there's no better place to go than retro city games from xbox to playstation Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. But before we head on out, my friend, I wanted to go ahead and touch on the box office for the last few minutes of the show. I know that this week is not exactly a, a great week when you look at it with The Nun 2 from The Conjuring Universe and A Haunting in Venice tying or vying for first place, depending on which studio you talk to. They won the weekend. But that's not the point I'm trying to make because, again, they both finished under $15 million domestically. But with the Nun 2 in its second weekend, it looks like it's going to probably go maybe $80, $100 million here domestically. But still, nice chunk of change for a series that seemingly knows what it needs to do each and every time out. But A Haunting in Venice and the number four film, My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3. I want to hear your thoughts on this, my friend. When it comes to A Haunting in Venice and My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3, these are films that just, okay... Maybe they shouldn't have come out, but to me, they're just like found money. You already did so well with the first movie in each of these series. There's really, you know, it just to me, if they do anything well after that, which they both did in their sequels, the third movies, no, they're not going to do well at all when it ends up to it. But I don't really feel bad because these films with their previous iterations have really found their footing. And it just seems like, well, you know, anything they make now, it's just found money. Yeah. So we, you know, we have this issue these days where streaming services are, you know, they're, they're killing the box office because mm -hmm. people are now just waiting for them to come out. You know, there's these a lot movies of movies that, that people are waiting for on streaming. Exactly. Exactly. And like you said, like if a third, if a movie that's third in a series uh, outside of a major, major franchise does well, that's just, that's a gift. You know, that's a yeah. gift. It just, you, you, you accept it and you're like, ha, nice. But, you know, like Big Fat Greek Wedding 3, like, I love those movies. Like, those are, I wouldn't even call them guilty pleasure movies. I just like watching them. They're funny. They're easy to watch. The Conjuring, there are so many Conjuring movies now. And I think uh, the issue for people like myself who have, like, story OCD is where do you start? And what is connected to the main story? So I think that that is kind of a, kind of deters people a little bit. Haunting in Venice, I... 
I didn't see a lot of marketing for that. So I don't know if that's an issue there. But yeah, I mean, these these are all movies that are either three or, you know, the, I think The Nun is like, what, the 10th movie to come out in the Conjuring? Yeah, universe. I mean, that that's yeah. even more. But yeah, Haunting in Venice, though, again, this is a movie that didn't get much in the way of advertising. But then again, the previous movie, that the sequel came out almost during in the middle of the pandemic two years ago. And then you had the yeah. first one that just... That one was a huge success the first time out with, of course, Kenneth Branagh. And to me, it's just like found money. And then the big fat Greek wedding, John Corbett's back for another paycheck. But come on, you, they, they even know they probably kept costs low. They probably oh, kept costs. It's made yeah, by they, HBO. It's not yeah. a big, even a big studio. It's Yeah, it, it's something where, okay, you made huge money off the first one. The second one came out and you spaced it out to where this third one comes out several years later that magic is gone but just the fact that you go ahead and still make it out i guess it just says that you know what you're trying to get, recapture that magic one last time maybe one time too many as we're seeing with both those films but you know what what are you going to do you just got to go ahead and try it i mean that's the way hollywood is isn't it yeah so yeah big fat greek wedding 2 is almost it came out in 2016 so that's like what mm -hmm. eight seven or eight years ago Yep. But I don't know. I mean, I appreciate this, though, because you go even on like a a good day when there's a lot of movies out, there's not like a lot of things that are OK to take the family to like feel good movies that are OK to take the family to. And I appreciate Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 because it's always been like, you know, somewhat family friendly, easy laughs, good popcorn flicks. Like you don't really have to think about it. It's kind of like the the a comedic version of the i mean actually not version of the mummy but like you know i like the mummy for like a popcorn action flick i like big fat greek wedding movies for like comedy popcorn flicks so i ask you my friend as we close everything out here on another edition of the pop culture cosmos one thing that i wanted to get your thoughts on i haven't yet was the dismal performance for a playstation movie and obviously a sony movie as well Gran Turismo, which unfortunately did not perform well. It has eked out just over $100 million worldwide, but this was not the cheapest movie to make in the world. I think, again, this... I don't know if this would have been the type of video game adaptation I would have done. You know, I think you know, now for the hundredth time I've said on this show, which movie you think I... I should be made for a movie adaptation or a series adaptation right behind me that still Hollywood is yet to ignore. I, Hollywood has ignored, excuse me. So I want to hear your thoughts on this, my friend, when it comes to, you know, what it go, what goes on with the Gran Turismo. I want to hear your thoughts on why that was just not a good performer at the box office. Why did they think it would be? You know, there are so many. PlayStation prides itself on these narrative-driven games and then they choose to make a movie out of something that doesn't even have a narrative. I don't know. It just seems like a weird move to me. And you look at the the movie; they didn't really advertise it. David Harbour's in it. Uh, there's a couple other, you know, somewhat big names in it. But for the most part, like you watch the trailer, and it doesn't even really tell you like what the movie is about. So, and it, and you know, all that aside, like Ford vs Ferrari was great, but there have not been any good racing movies made in a long long time so i don't really know what they were expecting to happen here yeah it just was something that i would have stayed away from it i think if you're going to go all in on a video game adaptation 
probably would have been not that good. Uh, you know, probably would for me, I would have gone somewhere else. I would have gone to Mass Effect. I always say it on the show, and that's where I, where I would have hoped it would have been. But I would have not gone in the way of Gran Turismo. That probably would not have been my top ten franchises I would have touched on, especially after the disappointing returns of the recent Gran Turismo updates. But I mean, even look at the you know, there's there's so many other games that would be good movies. Like look at Days Gone or Death Stranding. Like those would have made a lot more interesting films or shows so why put the money into gran turismo i have to ask sony my friend then again we had issues with tom holland being nathan drake in uncharted and you saw how that one went 400 million dollars worldwide uh, i don't know if it's going to be renewed for a second one we'll see but yeah kind of disappointing therein but couple last tidbits before we head on out, my friend. I wanted to go ahead and hear your thoughts on Lando, Donald Glover's returning to the role of Lando Calrissian. That is now, instead of a series for Disney+, Plus. I'm not sure if it's still going to be Disney+, Plus, but it is being turned into a movie. Your thoughts on Lando now becoming a movie? I, I don't know. Like I did not like donald glover as the character really because I, 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 I i disagree i mean i'm not saying i disagree with you but just saying i think differently on that i liked i liked him i thought it was really good yeah i mean and, and to me it's probably because they didn't really like develop him that much like he was just there as like an aside for han solo so mm-hmm. yeah, i mean it i i will definitely watch the movie if it comes out but you know, so far, like I have not been very engaged in this new version of lando so they would have to really like I don't know, sell me in the trailers to get me excited about it. Okay, well, it comes to Solo, I told you for what that time, the, how should I say this? The first 10 minutes were not good at all for me. But I will say, though, that that when it comes to after the 10 minutes, I thought it was an okay movie. I thought it was one of the better movies in the world of Star Wars reboots after, of course, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Uh, I think that Rogue One was the, uh, you know, obviously a good reputation, uh, rep, you know, one that people liked, leading to Andor, which uh, is done so well on Disney Plus, as far as uh, being able to go ahead and gauge how critically acclaimed it is. So we'll see, my friend. I, I just think that when it comes to Lando, I think give him, give Donald Glover a chance, my friend. I think give oh, him a I, chance. I will, I will. I just, you know, I didn't, I wasn't very thrilled with him in in the han solo movie actually i did enjoy the han solo movie too so it's um after the first 10 minutes which were absolutely horrid it actually was a decent movie yeah you know like kurt affairs so you can tell earlier parts of the film had lord and miller uh had their influence on it but you know i I thought that those opening uh scenes though were kind of important in setting like a uh, what, what do you call like a picture of what's going on in the world at that time so i don't know like i i didn't hate it I will say, though, again, uh, that if you give it a chance, please do so. Solo, it's on Disney+, Plus. it's available. I'm hoping, like what Kurt is asking for, Aiden Einreich is going to get a chance to play Solo again. He's now got a renaissance going, like a Taylor Kitsch renaissance, my friend. Whatever bad vibes from Solo came out of it, he's an Oppenheimer. He killed it in Oppenheimer. He'll not get a nomination because he's a little bit too far low on the supporting cast list, but he matched wits with RDJ. 
it first looked like they may portrayed him to be this naive young government official to RDJ's character, but at the end there's a twist and all Aiden comes out quite all right. And he did a great job uh, holding his own against RDJ. So you might want to go ahead. If you ever check out Oppenheimer, uh, you might be impressed. It's surprised for me. It was a pleasant surprise. I did first. I didn't know he was in the movie and I didn't know once seeing him that he was really that good of an actor. I didn't think he was terrible. You know, like there were parts where I think he overacted, but I, I, I thought that he was pretty good. Like, I don't know who they could have gotten to resemble Han Solo better than him. And so I, I, yeah, I too hope that he makes another appearance in the Star Wars universe at some point. I hope so as well, my friend. But before we head on out, my friend, and before you give the mad pitch for Happy Horde Collectibles, did you get a chance to see the latest Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom trailer, the AKA the buddy movie between Jason Momoa and Patrick Wilson? You know, I did not. I, I that was one thing I was going to do this weekend. I completely forgot that that had come out. Does it look good? Does it feel like it's the death throes of the DCU or how what are your thoughts? That's Jason Momoa, dude. Come on, bro. Come on, dude. Come on, bro. <laughs> You know, he's been uh, he's been the king of Atlantis for, you know, four years now or whatnot, as far as job. Now, Black Manta is plotting his revenge against his family. He has a kid now. People are talking about how Amber Heard is almost invisible in the trailer. They've got all the footage out or did not. She did not have any footage at all in the trailer. Almost. She's just in like one snippet of a scene and. You know, people are concerned that she's not going to be in the movie at all or hardly at all. So we'll see what happens. I know that Black Manta plots his revenge against the family of Jason Momoa. So, you know, Aquaman will be getting his, his share, whether or not it's a lame duck movie. Again, all these DC movies are lame duck movie. We'll see what happens as far as him being able to play Lobo and Aquaman at the same time. I, I, do, I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah, I was curious about that, but I also would like to see his Aquaman connect to uh, James Gunn's new world. So I, I don't know. I mean, are they all the stuff that was set up in the Flash? Were like, oh, Ezra Miller and um, Jason Momoa are going to connect to the DC. Are they going to throw that out the window with how bad the Flash did, or are they just going to keep riding that wave, you know, into the new DCU? If this movie doesn't do well, my friend, I think it's Joker 2, maybe Batman 2, and that's it. Uh, I think you just got to call it a day and start that new DCU, and just, there you go. Even the Constantine movie, which you and I were excited for, kind of the mustard's been taken out of it because it's not the official part of this new DCU, so yeah. I don't know. Well, at some point, though, they ha you you have to think that James Gunn is leading towards a film with Darkseid in it. Yeah. And John Constantine is always involved in Darkseid. So you got to hope at some point that they're going to incorporate him into a movie with like Superman and Batman. Yeah, I hope so, my friend. I hope so. But what are your thoughts out there on the new Aquaman trailer, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom? Please let us know. Pop Culture Cosmos at yahoo.com well my friend it's been a great episode but give us an update on what's going on with happy hoarder collectibles before we head on out lord of the rings funko pops demon slayer funko pops got a bunch of new transformers in and lord of the rings action figures so keep checking in thanks for the supports and buy some things just in time for the holidays there you go a lot of great stuff that you can find at happy hoarder collectibles.com 
So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great.